The Grizzlies roster is set and a couple of names left off. Real shockers. We'll talk about it and more. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Edmiston. Welcome to Locked on Grizzlies for this Tuesday. And uh, we're going to react to the two cuts that were made yesterday. This pod brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. You can find out more at a seat geeks website but really what you need to do is download the app it is so easy to do iphone android get that app it's free of charge use the promo code l-o-n-b-a and you'll save 20 bucks off your first seat geek purchase and why does it make it so simple well look it's a proprietary algorithm that they use to go across all of the uh, deal sites that are out there for tickets so that you'll know that you are getting the absolute best price imaginable and they put it out like on that seating chart, like you can look. So, you know, I'm going to, I want to go to uh, a concert recently. So I, I look it up. I say, okay, all right, let me, let me go to the show here. Let me pop it out. And you can see no matter where you're going to be, whether you're going to be FedEx Forum, whether you're going to be at the Orpheum, whether you're going to be in any venue around the country, doesn't matter. Uh, they've got it covered for you. So you look at the seating chart and you see exactly what the pricing looks like. And you can tell color-coded circles, green, yellow, red, Tells you whether it's a good price, great price, an okay price, not a great price. And you know that for sure. It was easy for me to buy. It'll be easy for you to buy. And of course, it'll easy be easy for you to save 20 bucks because you can use the promo code L-O-N-B-A. Put that in the settings tab. There'll be a promo code section. Put that promo code in. You are good to go. It's SeatGeek. It's super easy. Download the app today for free and use it and use that promo code L-O-N-B-A to save 20 bucks. Well, it's done. And uh, after yesterday's pod, I predicted that it would be the end of, I think I ended up with Jarrell Martin and Andrew Harrison, and I was wrong on both counts. And uh, it's a it's a pretty amazing set of circumstances that have led us to this point. But the Grizzlies yesterday cut Wade Baldwin, that's right, Wade Baldwin, former 17th pick. In the 2016 draft, he is gone from the Grizzlies. And Rade Zagorats, a player drafted with the 35th draft pick in that same draft, those uh, that 31-35, Deontay Davis and Rade Zagorats acquired via the uh, Clippers draft pick. And there were some protections on that pick that made it uh, probably a, a, a decent bet to go ahead and, and move that pick. But nonetheless, it's a first-round pick for those guys. And one of those guys has already been cut. He was also on a guaranteed contract for two years. And the Grizzlies will have to eat that. Same thing with with Wade Baldwin. These are two relatively expensive mistakes as these things go. Um, and, man, okay, so that's the that's kind of the headline. That's the that's the top line stuff. But let's let's drill down into it. Okay. Uh, and we'll start uh, with the the easier one of the two, at least in terms of the analysis, and that's Rade. Uh, Rade simply came down to a numbers game from the Grizzlies' perspective, and uh, you know they didn't. I don't think they expected that it would be so obvious that he would be this overmatched. You know, it, it, it's having spoken to folks, um, they the consensus not only from you know, within the organization, but outside the organization is that Rade was, was always going to be kind of a project and in a longer term 
situation, but because of the nature of the fact that, that the Grizzlies felt like they had to go ahead and get him signed to make sure that he didn't sign a long-term deal uh, overseas and thus kind of keep him from, from coming over here for a few more years, the Grizzlies wanted to go ahead and knock it out. And I think they, they didn't really expect that his progress would A, be so slow, and B, uh, that he would be blocked out or crunched down or whatever you want to call it by the by the roster crunch that the Grizzlies found themselves in. I think they kind of felt like they'd have a, a 15th spot just kind of hanging out there and, and, and would, would be okay for him to use. Uh, turns out that that was not the case based on, on what happened. So Rade ends up getting squeezed, and that's a tough one. And I, I, would, I, I know that was not necessarily – um, hugely popular. There, there. It's not a unanimous decision, you know, in in the in in the front office. But it it is what it is. And and you look at the, you know, the upside. Where was Rade going to go? How long was it going to take for him to get there? You know, he did look overmatched. There's no question about it. He looked overmatched in summer league. He looked overmatched in preseason, except for that last little stretch against New Orleans. That was the super mega garbage time where um, you know any of us probably could have put up some decent numbers against that group that the New Orleans rolled out there, but he did, he did look better in, in that, that front. It's a shame because he's a good kid a great kid, really. And he is a kid. I mean, he, you know, when you talk to him, he is, he is, he was very young and immature. And I, I feel bad for him because this is, this is going to be, this is going to be a blow to his, uh, his psyche. Um, Cause you know, he comes over, he's very excited about coming over, very excited about, you know, uh, getting acclimated all summer and then into Memphis. And uh, it just, it just it just didn't work out, and and so he's he's a kid that speaks perfect English or pretty darn close to it. Um, it's going to be tough. Uh, so really, like I said, it's super nice guy, and uh, and he was well liked within the organization in the locker room. But uh, that's a that's a numbers crunch, and that one is easy enough to to analyze. You have to eat that money. His final year was not uh, fully guaranteed, so you know not a, not a big deal there, but. Uh, still money that you 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 don't want to eat and the Grizzlies uh, I'm told are not going to stretch his deal so as to give themselves an opportunity to reacquire him down the line uh, were they to stretch him that would just stretch the amount of time that, that they would have to wait and be unable to to acquire his services so uh, they're going to uh, avoid stretching that last year and give themselves an opportunity to, you know, if, if things progress, if he ends up looking better uh, overseas and they get another opportunity, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. Those Some of you may be asking about whether or not he could end up playing for the D-League uh, or the G-League, I should say, at least for the hustle. The answer is no. The, the rules are pretty cut and dried on that front. The Grizzlies can't sign him to a two-way deal, can't sign him to any kind of a G-League deal or anything like that. He can't play for the organization uh, this year just cannot happen. So that's that's by CBA rule. He could still theoretically play somewhere else, but he could not play for any Grizzlies affiliated team. So that's Rade. Now to the more controversial decision, and another one that I don't think was necessarily unanimous behind the scenes, but it's the way that it goes. Wade Baldwin. Wade Baldwin, the 17th pick in last year's draft cut by the Grizzlies. First of all, on merit, I don't think anyone can be too upset with the decision. Just on pure basketball merit, there's really nothing that you can dispute. He wasn't good enough 
to be part of a 15-man roster. That's not really disputable at this point. Um, now, the, the question, of course, is would he end up being good enough down the line? And, and that's still yet to be determined. Is it wise to give up on him so quickly, bearing in mind that you knew when you drafted him that he was very raw? You knew that he had a lot of physical gifts, but he was mentally um, a question mark. And you knew that that was going to take time to develop. You know, should you be giving up on him this quickly? That is a much different question. When it comes to purely basketball-related decisions and basketball stuff, if you're looking for who was contributing, it was Andrew Harrison. And from the organizational perspective, do not discount the fact that Kobe Simmons has come along as their uh, as a two-way guy and has you know he was tremendous in the preseason. He was really uh, a little bit of a revelation, you know, looked good in the summer, looked good in preseason, uh, very productive player, very efficient player, and at that same position probably showed as much or more potential and had already started to, to convert that potential into something tangible on the court in a way that Baldwin really struggled to do. That mattered as well. So where was Wade going to go? Where was his future? What was the, you know, what was the long-term thing? Would he have been eclipsed by Kobe Simmons? And then you end up paying a guy a couple million dollars to do nothing for you. It's a bold decision. And on the one hand, you know, I, I give the front office credit for not dealing in sunk cost and just saying, look, man, let's go, let's roll with it. Let's knock it out. It's, you know, don't, don't throw good money after bad. Just wash your hands of it and, and go on about your business. You know that that is a that's a an approach that not everybody takes, and that's worthy of some credit. Now you have to then take that credit away, and then some, by looking at what that means for the pick and what that meant for what you've done this year, and that is a different discussion altogether. That means you know Wade Baldwin joins a very short list of guys who were drafted as highly as he was and who were cut essentially by their team. There's very few of those. Basically the, the only one I could find in recent vintage was Royce white who was drafted 16th by the Rockets in 2012 and ended up being waived. And of course, if you know his story, you know that, that it wasn't quite that simple. He had some, anxiety issues and some issues with homesickness and travel, uh, fear of flying, that kind of stuff, some pretty severe psychological stuff that, that kept him from being able to contribute. And that was, you know, a, a real serious factor in, in the decision to, to cut him. So it wasn't as cut and dried as Baldwin. Baldwin just was a flat out basketball decision that it just wasn't going to happen. And that's a very unusual thing to see a first round pick the next season team washes their hands of him. You have to go back. I mean, you know, there've been some pretty unproductive first round picks. I mean, you know, Bruno Caboclo, Caboclo, how you ever pronounce that, you know, who was drafted 20th by the Raptors a couple of years back was the infamous two years away from being two years away. He's not done anything. That certainly is on the list. Um, 
you know, RJ Hunter, if you remember, he was drafted 28th by the Celtics. And, you know, he was basically, they moved on from him after one year. He was cut in the same way in a roster crunch situation, same way that uh, Baldwin was this year. But of course, he was drafted 11 spots later in the draft. Um, you can go to Tony Roten. Grizzly fans, you'll remember Tony Roten, of course, drafted 25th pick in 2012, and uh, the Grizzlies moved on from him after one year as well. They did the the trade with the Sixers where they, they got the phantom second-round pick, um, which never conveyed, and so it was, in essence, a, a salary dump, which is what they were really looking to do with Baldwin and could not find any takers because teams knew that the Grizzlies were, well, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to have to cut him, so teams could just wait and wait for him to be cut and then pick him up after that if they wanted him. And I don't know how many teams out there are really wanting Baldwin. So it forced the Grizzlies' hand, and, and he it's a, it's a really short list, and it's a really bad list for you to be on as a front office. You You cannot... You cannot go around dumping first-round picks the next season. And, you know, again, justifiably so in Baldwin's case, but that means you swung and missed wildly. And I'll I'll be honest, you know, revisionist history is not my thing. I liked the Baldwin pick. I liked it at the time. I uh, loved it when Baldwin had his first game last year, right, about a year ago. Against the Timberwolves, he had three steals and three blocks. Still one of the few rookies in NBA history to do that. And how far he fell after that productive first game. Remarkable. I love the pick, but the questions were, and the problems were kind of obvious right from the start. Because I remember right around this time, in fact, you know, today, uh, or yesterday, I guess, happened to be the Grizzlies tip-off luncheon. And I remember talking to Wade Baldwin last year after the tip-off luncheon and talking about his shot and how they've overhauled and they were working on his shot. And you know, even though he shot 41% in college in his final year, they didn't like the way it looked. They changed some stuff around. They didn't, you know, I remember having that discussion with him and, and we talked about it on the pod a year ago. It didn't, that wasn't a good sign. In, in hindsight, that wasn't a good sign. And turns out that, you know, that didn't really work. He didn't shoot well. He looked worse for having done that, and he wasn't comfortable. The other thing, of course, is that there were plenty of red flags personality-wise with Baldwin when they drafted him, and a lot of people who really loved the pick, and pretty much everybody, I went back and looked at the draft grades. You know, the Grizzlies got pretty much A's, A-pluses across the board, for their draft in 2016, two of the three guys they drafted are now no longer on the team, which really invalidates draft night grades as ever. Draft night grades are stupid. You you can never know how things are going to work out. Everyone loved the pick, though. And that third guy, by the way, side note, Deontay Davis, not looking that great. Not looking that great. And another guy that I loved, loved that pick. Not working out. The development side of it is not uh, not going as expected. But back to Baldwin, the the caveat at the time of him being picked was always, well, you know, he's a great athlete, super length, all that stuff. He compared himself to Russell Westbrook. 
uh, yeah, everyone outside saying, well, you, you, you know, he's an explosive athlete. Look how long he is, et cetera, et cetera. And he is, that's true. He's explosive. And, you know, he, he does have length. He was, you know, six eleven wingspan, all that stuff's cool. But you could tell, you know, he, the competitive side of him was a problem. He got too competitive, too, um, you know, I don't know if the, the word is prickly as a personality, but um, hard to deal with. Cocky, certainly. Uh, teammates did not really enjoy playing with him last year. Did not really enjoy interacting with him because he was kind of aloof. And the Grizzlies kind of wanted to wake him up a little bit with some trips to Iowa. And you saw him play with the energy. And again, it just didn't really do much. You know, we talked about it on the pod last year. He His trips to Iowa were... I don't know, I'm not going to say pointless, but, you know, a guy like him, he's going to dominate in the D-League because he's so much more athletic and there's not much rim protection, so he could get to the rim with those aimless drives and score some points. But that didn't really translate from a development standpoint with Baldwin. It's hard to know what to do with, with him in that regard. So those personality things, that was probably the best thing just in terms of going to the, the, the D-League. wasn't so much on the court, but off the court dealing with the bus trips and you know, poor facilities and that kind of stuff. And to his credit, Baldwin did show some improvement on that on that front. He was better in preseason, better in training camp, better to deal with. And yeah, I think that he had kind of turned the corner to some extent on that stuff, but it was too little too late, particularly when there was no basketball production to go behind it. So uh yeah, when you when you combine personality issues and lack of basketball with a roster that suddenly has interesting prospects at uh, point guard and and make no mistake the other factor that really sealed Baldwin's fate wasn't necessarily Andrew Harrison although Harrison's defensive ability and versatility obviously that's a, a big part of why he's still around it was Mario Chalmers you know in Chalmers I said it at the time, and I go back to it. It's not a great sign for Wade Baldwin when after Summer League, the Grizzlies sign Mario Chalmers, and that's exactly what happened. They signed Chalmers after Summer League um, to that to the deal that, that you know, it's, it's a, it's, it only has a $25,000 guarantee, a very small guarantee. The Grizzlies did not expect that he would be in this good of shape going forward, but can you imagine what it would be like in that locker room if you cut Chalmers? Because that's what some people are saying. Uh, you know, that some of the, the, I think people outside of the organization, people outside of the city, really, people who are farther away from the situation, who kind of look at it from a numbers and purely spreadsheet standpoint, say, well, why are you cutting a, you know, 20-year-old first round pick with all this potential to keep a 31 year old who's coming off of Achilles surgery and um, you know, hasn't played in 18 months. And, and, and if, if the Grizzlies were the Sixers, I think you, you would understand that and then they would have cut Chalmers, but they're not, they're trying to compete and in a locker room where you've got Mike and Mark who are signed, you know, three years for Mark, four years for Mike these guys are locked in. You have obviously, you know, the situation with Chandler Parsons is not working out very well at all. 
You're trying to find ways to win games, and Chalmers has shown that he can do that. Not only prior to the injury, but now after the injury, he's been really good. He's a good teammate. Guys love him. Fizdale loves him. He's very well-liked in that locker room. And if you were to cut ties with him, or Andrew Harrison for that matter, who has at least proven himself in a competitive situation with a lot of these guys, if you were to get rid of them to keep Baldwin, who wasn't well-liked and who hadn't shown much, you'd have a problem inside that locker room. That's a big factor too, and one that can't be discounted. So when all said and done, that's where, you know, looking back, I guess it's it's easier in hindsight to see these cuts coming, but in the case of Roddy, I didn't think they would be willing to just cut ties with that money. So willy-nilly, just boom, there you go. And in the case of Baldwin, I really did not expect that they would cut ties with the athletic potential and really from a PR standpoint with the fact that he was the first-round pick last year. Um, But they did. I didn't think they'd do either one of those things, and they did. So now the Grizzlies roster stands uh, at 15 uh, after a brutal day. And what a remarkable story that Jarrell Martin stayed on that roster. This dude was left for dead. Reports came out a month ago or so that uh, he was going to be cut, that he was all but cut. Like Basically, the, the report, I think Ron Tillery's report was something to the effect of, you know, he was he was cut, but they would keep him around for the camp and he would get a chance to showcase himself for another team. And, you know, you, you look at it initially and the numbers, the numbers would indicate that would be the case, you know, based on, you know, who was there and, that was probably with the thought that the Chandler Parsons would be more of a contributor. That was the thought that Deontay Davis would be further along. Um, you know, that stuff didn't happen. Chandler Parsons is, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know what his role is going to be. Certainly he's going to be off the bench. I don't know that he can even do much off the bench for you. Uh, he may end up not playing at all when all said and done. So you can knock him out of the rotation or at least down a few pegs. Deontay Davis, uh, you, you really wanted to see him take that next step and actually he's taken a step back to uh, the alarm to of some and to concern of others I don't know that it's time to panic or anything like that but it's certainly um, uh, a little a little bit concerning what what you've seen from him so you combine all those things and the fact that that Martin had a great camp that he came in he came frankly in shape uh, for the first time because he hasn't that's that's not been his strong suit he was really in good shape and the way that David Fisdale plays in the nature of the league means that you know where he came into the league as kind of a tweener and that was a negative now he's a just a four and 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 potentially a good one he can rebound the ball very well he's shown some potential shooting the basketball um and he's you know he's a guy that was drafted you know just a year before so it's not as if he's uh, some kind of old man uh, or something. You know, he he's he's a it's a great story and that that guy deserves a lot of credit for, you know, putting his head down and you know, putting everything to the side, all of the talk that he was absolutely going to be cut and all that. He 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 didn't 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 let that phase him one bit and he earned his spot. Credit to him. Kudos to him. Well done. Same thing with Andrew Harrison who made a very persuasive case that he should be on this team played like it, looked like it, and you know, even though he still is going to have 
offensive issues throughout his career. He does have a very defined NBA skill, and that is defense, team defense, multiple defense, switching, uh, the ability to guard one through three, physically big guy, and um, that stuff matters. That stuff matters, and it's a it's a it's a it's a big deal. It's one of the reasons why the Grizzlies you know looked good pre- defensively in preseason. It's um, one of the things that that kept them afloat at times last year. That stuff matters, and he'll play as as a result of that. Cut day very very strange in a lot of respects, defining in others. There will be a time and a place, I guess, for the reckoning from the front office. I know they will go through a post-mortem. They haven't yet, uh, but they will soon enough about what is happening with these first-round picks. But at the end of the day, it's the kind of thing that, you know, some, some they have to change. Somebody's got to go. Um, something has to change in that, in that front office. And, yeah, I mean, you know, the consistent the, the the guy that's been there the longest, Chris Wallace, he's consistently had issues with drafting, with evaluating talent, with over-evaluating athleticism, all those sorts of things that have reared their head um, a time or two here. The Grizzlies have done remarkably well with the second-rounders and undrafted guys. I mean, Kobe Simmons looks good. Dylan Brooks, we talked about him. He's going to be part of the rotation this year uh, when the season starts tomorrow. That's that's all good, but Wayne Selden, another one. Um, but in the meantime, when you miss as consistently as they have for a decade, that is uh, a fireable offense in a small market particularly because you need those shots to come through and those big-time players you need to respond. I'm not going to get into the thing. I think it's, it's, it's an easy shot to take, and God knows uh, a lot of us have done it. Where you say, "Oh, look at this guy was drafted here." This guy's—I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is the, the most obvious new example. I mean, frankly, it was a bad draft last year in many respects, and the the fact that Brogdon won Rookie of the Year tells you that it was that sort of a draft. And some of those guys are going to be late bloomers if they bloom at all. I'm not going to go and rake them over the coals for every little guy that they could have taken each year, because everybody misses sometimes. But the Grizzlies miss a lot of the time, not quite all the time. But a lot of the time, particularly with their big swings, that is a problem. That is a problem that isn't going away. When you do it for a decade, that means it is a systemic issue. It is something that has gotten into the DNA on the ground for whatever reason. It's gone across two owners. It's gone across multiple coaches. You know, The only consistent thing is Chris Wallace and... You know, <laughs> I don't think it takes uh, a genius to figure out that if you were going to make a change, that would be the change that would make the most sense. So, you know, will they do that? I don't know. Uh, Chris has been a remarkable survivor for a long, long time. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that, that go in the credit department on, on his side of things. But this one is a big, 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 big red check mark on the negative side of the ledger. And I think restructuring needs to be done sooner rather than later. Obviously, uh, we're going to talk a lot about the season itself tomorrow on the pod. We'll get into not only a look at the actual game itself in the Pelicans, but also kind of a, a season long look 
at the Grizzlies. You'll hear from uh, some of the folks that were involved in that decision-making process. You'll uh, you'll hear from them coming up um, later on and uh, hopefully get you a couple of interesting interviews for tomorrow's pod and get you set for the game, uh, which is going to be Wednesday. I'm very, very excited. Cannot wait. The season starts tonight. Doubleheader. Looking forward to it. I know you are too. Two great games, national TV tonight, and then uh, the Grizzlies in action on Wednesday. So enjoy that. Thanks so much for listening. As always, please, I beg of you. I don't beg. I don't. I'm not a begging man. I don't beg a lot, but I'm begging you, please. When you download the pod, thank you for that. If you like it, tell friends, rate it, uh, help us continue to spread the word. And if you are an advertiser. Remember that we have a tremendous audience from 18 to 44, primarily male, but we do have our share of female listeners as well. We meet uh, a lot of that criteria that you're looking for. If you're trying to to find that solid uh, demographic right there, young, mobile, doing stuff with some money, we got those folks covered. You listeners are a tremendous group. And uh, if you're an advertiser and you want to reach them, please let me know. My email is pedmiston at gmail.com. That's P-E-D-M-I-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Get in touch with me. Love to hear from you and love to tell you more about what we can do for you. Thank you so much for listening to the pod. Have yourself a great Tuesday, everybody. And we'll talk to you again on Locked on Grizzlies.